This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Oh, the burdens a great wizard such as myself must bear low. But we do all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep things like, oh, I don't know, being responsible for the loss of your fellow wizard's immortality all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. Going to therapy has taught me that I don't have to react to every emotion I feel, even though those emotions are valid. Sometimes taking a moment is all you need to respond in a way that's truer to your values. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash magic today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash magic. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Well, listener, I'm on the streets of your own Earth City, Chicago. Hmm, I was told there'd be more Columbus statues. Don't worry, my portable transceiver can still intercept the weekly transmission. Speaking of exhausting a simple if pleasant concept beyond its expiration date, Season 2 of Earth Games has officially begun. You know, the Magic Tavern spin-off where they play board games from Earth? The show is exclusively on Stitcher Premium. And the first episode of Season 2 is already up, alongside all of Season 1. Not to mention the Spin Tax spin-off, the Drip Fang and Baron spin-off, the upcoming limited series Kevin Serretta's Wide World of Preventable Job Interview Catastrophes, and much, much more. Well, some much more. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com magic, or use promo code MAGIC. Oh my goodness. In the distance is the Chicago Theater District. The world Trisha said she was about to transform, and it's just a smoking ruin. Nothing but burned out husks of buildings. Listener, I know an explanation for all this is over there somewhere, and I am gonna just leave things here for now. Yep, this is enough. We don't get big developments like this in the framing device very often, and I am gonna enjoy this rush while it lasts. And here's this week's improvised fantasy argument right on time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hello from the Magic Tavern, Remote Edition, a weekly podcast from the magical land of Foon. I'm your host, Arnie Niekamp. If you've never listened to the podcast before, this is everything you need to know. 
Over five years ago, I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical, fantastical land of Foon. Luckily, I'm still getting a Wi-Fi signal from the Burger King through the dimensional rift, and I use that to upload a podcast chronicling our quest to defeat the Dark Lord and also figure out why everyone in Foon is trapped in little different fragments of the land. That's why it's called the fragmenting. And I am joined, as always, by, of course, my co-host Talbot, the Talking Badger. Hey, Talbot. All right, and Talbot, you know what? I know the last couple episodes I keep forgetting to talk to you after the first 30 seconds or so of the podcast, and I apologize for that, and I am not going to repeat that mistake again this week. But anyway, no... Okay. Okay, whatever you said. Great. Okay, cool. I am also joined by my other co-host, a badger head on a decomposing strongman body, Flex Mulligan. Oh, yeah, Flexy. I know you want to be called Flex Mulligan in this form, but can I can I call you Chunt? Um, I mean, yeah, that still works. I mean, I okay. prefer Flex or, you know, since my location is this beautiful shore, maybe Flex on the Beach or something oh. like that. Oh, Flex on the Beach? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you seem hesitant. Speak your mind. Speak freely. We're, we're just... best friends, Arnie. So much of the flesh is falling off of that body. It's real. Right, it's, right. You can't smell things through Rune, uh, which we are uh, recording this podcast via mm-hmm. Magical Rune. I can't imagine it smells good over there. Yeah, it is. Uh, I got to say it's pretty ripe. And then every day I wake up covered in flies, uh, so that sucks. But, you know, it's worth it to just be so jacked. I can't go back to a stick. I was so skinny. Arnie, I almost blew away with the wind. I'm just worried about you. Maybe our other co-host will have an idea of something that can fix it. Why don't we bring him in? My other co-host, uh, Usador the Wizard. I am Usador, wizard of the twelfth realm of Ephesius, master of light and shadow, manipulator of magical delights, devourer of chaos, devourer. champion of the great halls of Tarakas. The elves know me as Fiang Elek. The dwarves know me as Zonin and Hoogstangis, and I am known in the northeast as Gaswanius Maystar and... There may be other secret names. Oh, names of such great ill portent that if e'er they were uttered aloud, most assuredly your rent would go up at least 10%. What? Your rent. If you say one of my secret names, one of the terrible ones, your rent would go up at least 10%. Can you believe such a mystical, magical thing would happen? Are we paying rent right now during breaksies? We shouldn't. We should not be. We definitely should be rent relief. We're not calling it breaksies. We're calling it the fragmenting. It's just shattering. Mm-hmm. But all right. Uh, yeah, you see, uh, it's very important here that I ask you some question, Arnold. You can't smell things through rune? No. I mean, oh, I, I can. I guess, oh, you can? Is that a wizard thing? That wizards can smell through rune? I'm not a rune expert. I mean, I have never even used rune before like a month ago. I don't, maybe I haven't turned it on, but I don't. I guess I don't want to turn it on. When we use Rune, I can see you, I can hear you, I can smell you, I can taste you, and um, I can no. peer into your very soul. You can pee into my very soul? <laughs> peer, peer, not pee. How dare oh. you? So you're saying that's not a functionality of Rune? I mean, I could pee into your very soul, but I never even considered it before. I gotta be honest, I'd let you piss in my soul. Thank you very much, Chunt. I mean, Flex. Thank you. Can I say, do you think this body's decomposing too much? It just feels, I feel sexy. I mean, it smells terrible, but uh, you look so tough. 
and I've peered into your very soul, yeah. and I see that you are happier than you've been in a long time. You peed into his very soul? Uh, no. Peer. P-E-E-R. Peer. I peered into his very soul. Yeah, I was thinking because I'm so jacked and I'm like sexy now and feeling so confident and good about myself, I thought maybe we could start some content for just for the fans. Like it's only fans who would view this. Just some premium content of me and my sexy buff body. Does that make sense? A little fan service? little fan service, yeah. Only for fans. All right, well, okay. My only concern about this, John, if you start this new thing only for fans, you know, your body's decomposing so much that, like, your skimpy underwear keeps slipping off. And I don't know if if only your fans want to see that. Well, maybe I sell that underwear. For how much? I don't know. A small fortune? A small fortune? You can get that kind of gold for selling your underwear to to only your fans? If it's only to fans, you can charge a premium. Oh, yes, you could get hundreds of uh, gold pieces or even a couple of rubies or uh, perhaps a sapphire or, uh, you know, uh, some bills. You store, I bet you could sell your bird shit. Right now you're just washing that off or usually just leaving it on your cloak, but you could sell that. I could never get rid of my little bird dropping friends. This is proof that the birds love me as much as I love the birds. And Arnie, I'm sure there's something you could sell. Like, uh, uh... Oh, this turns sad. Yeah, what's so Arnie that the fans would want to buy it? Oh, the most Arnie thing. Like, really? The really essence of Arnie. Essence of Arnie. Like, it has to be a physical thing? Yeah, maybe... Oh, like, maybe... Oh, uh, oh, or it oh, could uh, be... Uh, um, um, oh, maybe like... Um, oh, like and a then, turd or something? Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. Or maybe sure. like some creative writing. Maybe you sell some short stories. Yes, use your degree. You uh, Use your uh, master's degree in creative writing to create some creative writing and then sell it. You know, I, writing is my passion, but it's so much work and it's so lonely. I think I'd rather squeeze out some turds and sell those. <sighs> no, Arnie, come on. Let's workshop it. So um, let's start a, a creative short story. So start us off. There once was a tree. Turd. A tur- okay. Chunt, right. to be fair, I've listened to the show. We've been squeezing out turds for years. <laughs> Are we making a premium on them? I, I suppose we could, but I don't know that anyone cares. Now, uh, it's very it's very interesting that you bring up fans, uh, because I've recently become concerned uh, that there isn't enough to do during the shattering. I'm quite bored. Are you bored? I'm bored. I'm not bored. You know who gets bored? Who? Boring people. <gasps> boring people get bored. You're saying I'm boring? If you're bored, are you bored? I am boring. Boring into your very soul. With this? No, no. That's what I was going to ask. Damn it. You sort of, there's kind of, I mean, you're a magical being. How do you get bored? You could constantly amuse yourself with, you know, little top hats and whatever else you do. I'm doing that inside my brain all of the time. How's your bar going? How's the, how's the brim and brew? The Brimmon Brew is going well. I opened a tiny bar inside my hat for people who didn't listen last week uh, to replace the Vermilion Minotaur. And sometimes I go in there and I have a beer, but honestly, I'm lonely without the two of you. I have to ask, who serves you the beer? Uh, it's another tiny me. And are there any other customers? A bunch of tiny me's. My hat is filled with tiny me's who just wait on me and pretend to be other patrons. I assume they're quite bored. And sometimes I assume one of them comes out here and takes my place. Wait a second. Arnie, I don't think that's Usador. I don't understand all these wizard rules. Honestly, I'm starting to worry that, like, have we ever met the real Usador? You'll never know. 
Yeah, that's why I've been sending out a lot of birds trying to uh, rouse up an understudy for you, just in case. Some other wizard would love to be on this podcast, I'm sure. Speaking of understudies, mm-hmm. something I like to do that I cannot do all the time now that I'm trapped here in this uh, small dimension is go to the theater. You know my favorite play. Automaton Constable, yes. I mm-hmm. love Automaton Constable, the story of a man who used to be a constable, died, and then was brought back to life as a clockwork man. But it's not the only play I've ever seen. Uh, we used to see the, those players, the, the cock ticklers. Uh, they were very good. Yes, Core Blimey, they were great. Mm-hmm. And were our good, good friend Tom Blaine Belleroth was uh, one of the most famous cock ticklers. That's right. Uh, but I invited someone here who knows everything there is to know about theater. Arnie, would you please interview this person I brought here for you? Well, I, I guess that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I can I can do that. Thank you. I shall tap into Rune now. Just finger that right. I can already smell them. Just tap the Rune. And I can Just peer into their very soul. And here I Don't introduce wait, you Don't hold now. on. You're going to pee into our guest's soul? Peer, peer, peer. Okay. Here is, in all of Foon, the most famous reviewer of theater, Jarmaine. Hello? Hello, 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 hello. So good to see everyone here. Oh, yeah? uh, thank you for coming. I am delighted to have you here as a patron of the arts. It is quite a delight to have such a renowned critic here amongst us. Oh, of course. I mean, <laughs> I don't like using the word renowned because it means that at one point I was not nowned, you know? I, I, someone nowned me again. I've always been nowned. It's like refried beans. Yes, exactly. It's like refried beans. Fry them once. Be satisfied with the effort that you made. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So as a critic in Foon, um, is there a way that I could have seen your work? Like, do you you write on scrolls? I don't. I I realized after a while that a lot of the scrolls were being left behind. People weren't reading my words. So I went ahead and started going from home to home and telling people my reviews. Oh. Paper is dead. Paper's long been dead. I've been saying that for years. I mean, I, I look at it and it's a dead it's a dead document to begin with. One of the great things about theater is that it's constantly living, constantly changing. Perhaps on one night I enter through stage left, but another I enter through stage right. But paper itself is finite. That's something you should know about Charmaine. He's such a good critic that he enters on the stage. He doesn't sit in the audience. <laughs> He's so interested in what's going wow. on that he that he enters from the stage entrances to really understand what's going on. Well, well, let's talk about what critique is. You're engaging the piece. How yes. am I engaging the piece sitting in the audience? I'm not engaging. If I'm on the stage with them while they're performing, therefore I'm engaging. I can give you a better experience yeah. of what I saw. You're immersing yourself and you're reviewing it from the inside out, which is what we want. That's exactly correct, Chuntworth. I could not agree more. Ooh, Chuntworth. I like that. I guess I never realized my own worth. Uh, Everyone should call me Chuntworth from now on. All right. I love calling people by their full names. Now, uh, you've seen many, many plays over the years. Uh, Do you have a a favorite? I mean, to pick one play to be my favorite, I feel like, would be criminal. But if I had to, it was a play I watched called By the Moon, which was about a man who realized that the woman he was married to was his mother all along. <gasps> How shocking. Oh, shit. It was phenomenal. And I, and I think about the playwright who wrote it, a man named Malcolm Dubal, 
And I can't help but wonder if he himself at some point realized that he was married to his mother. I think I've heard of this play. The lead character, his name is like Ed or is it Piss? Yes, yes. Oedipus. Oedipus. And Oedipus realizes in this moment that the woman that he's with is his mother and that he murdered his father. Interestingly enough, one watching this play, one of the reasons why I never got to ask Malcolm about whether this was based on his real life is when I entered stage right, Malcolm was playing Oedipus himself and I murdered him <gasps> in trying to get onto the stage. Oh, wow. well, that's just, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. If you enter a play, there's a very good chance that you're going to murder somebody. And correct me if I'm wrong, that's called realism? Yes, that's called realism. Some might call it hyper-realism, <laughs> but uh, definitely realism in some sense. So you're watching this play about a guy who realizes that he's married to his mother, and you're like, I got to get in there. <laughs> I gotta get it. I have to be involved. That's absolutely correct, Arnold. Uh, I realized in that... It's Arnie. Uh, I'm positive it's Arnold. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you're right. What's wild is that we never introduced ourselves. He, you're really but good he's, at naming he's, things. He's, he's Sean so wants immersed. to be Chunworth now, and you know what? I have spent like over 200 episodes correcting Usador that my name is Arnie and not Arnold, but when oh. you say it, somehow it works for me. You know what? I'm Arnold now. Oh. I'm going to write this down just in case I forget. But you're, go- you're writing down your own name in case you forget it? Yeah. All right. Oh, you have to. You have to. Uh, there's so many times I've been immersed in the plays that I'm in that I forget that I am a critic and mm. not a performer. Oh. oh. It's always very dangerous when a critic starts to think that they're a performer. I mean, then you start to think that your words have some sort of value. But I, if I could be honest with all of you, I hate my reviews. Oh, wow. Well, I will say I've read, um, I've only seen one of your reviews um, because you are very well known. And it was mostly about like um, being on stage, the elevation of the stage, and then like Mm -hmm. calling out people in the audience in terms of what they were doing, where you're like, there's a guy three rows back who's kind of like looking down at his lap. And um, it's about the temperature of the theater and stuff like that. Chuntworth, if I could could answer that. Uh, It's because I didn't realize this when I first started doing these, you know, immersive reviews. But when you're on the stage, it becomes very hard to understand what's happening on the play. (laughs) Sure. And all I could focus on was the audience in front of me. So at some point, my review started to change and was less about the performance around me and more about what was in view of me, which was the audience. Of course, there's an old saying, it's hard to see the tavern from the roof. Yes, yes, sure. I mean, I find your reviews very insightful, though, uh, because I learned, I've learned to read between the lines. When you mm. tell me that the, the woman in the third row is, is restless in her seat and she seems to not be paying attention, I say to myself, that's not a very good play, otherwise she would be engaged rapturously in what's going on. And then when you write a review that says everyone held their breath at the exact same moment as I murdered the other actor on stage, then I know that that play is very exciting to watch. Yes, Usador. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I just feel as if you can tell so much about a play by the audience that's seen it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. when the first 
play to feature elves happened. Mm-hmm. The audience was elves. You know what I mean? Not a mm. single human being was in the attendance. And you could tell so much about the play that it was special to elves. Well, they were finally seeing themselves reflected in, in the media, as they always should have been. And, you know, we don't talk about that enough, how important it is to see yourself reflected in the media. That's something that we don't talk about enough. Yes, I know. And and, and elves, uh, I'm sure, uh, feel slighted. I mean, how many plays do you see about uh, sprites? Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, there are many sprites who live in the forest, but they don't get to see plays about themselves. Can I say something? And look, I've, I've received critiques for this before. I understand that seeing yourself is important, and the sprite community does not like when I say this, but I think human beings are better at playing sprites than sprites. You know what I'm saying? They're just some people where you watch them perform and you go, mm. they've got a better handle on it, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, I could see why that's an unpopular opinion, but uh, to each their own. I have seen, um, and not to sort of call you out, but I have seen some other uh, critics' reviews of plays mm. And a lot of times what happens is they think that you're part of the show, and so they'll pan the theatrical production because they're like, there's one actor who seems to not know his lines and has a notepad and paper and kills people. So how do you feel about that? And also, second part, there is a lot of people who say those who can't act critique. What do you say to that? Sure, I'll respond both of those in the order that they were given. Uh, So, (laughs) Thank, Thank you. That's very professional of you. I've read those reviews. And, you know, it's hard for me to respect those critics who would go so far as to attack another critic. I don't know if you know this, Mm -hmm. but critics have rules. Okay. The first rule is never attack another critic. Accept that critic's point of view and don't ever devalue that other critic's point of view. Second is never validate your parking. Because if your parking is free... Mm-hmm. Then he didn't really experience or sacrifice anything for the play. Arnie, we should mention validated parking is if you take your horses in your in your cart and you um, and you park them somewhere. A lot of times, when you dismount your horse, you'll look around and you go, "Huh, eh? huh," eh? and you wait for someone to give you a thumbs up or say, "Like, good job parking." Good job so that, parking your horse. You did it again. So you want to be validated. validated. But that makes the play about you in that moment. But when you choose to just park the horse. And not acknowledge the good job that you've done. You're sacrificing something. Mm. Let it speak for itself, though. Absolutely. Now to your second question about those who cannot act, uh, critique. What an awful thing to say. (laughs) I'm just repeating what I've heard. I'm so sorry. I'm just repeating what I've heard. Now, I know you haven't seen me on stage as an actor. You've only seen me on stage as a critic. So it's very hard to tell. But I had a very promising acting career back in the day. Oh. Oh. I was forced to give it up to take care of my wife. Oh. Oh. My wife and I are about 40 years apart, and she started to get older and, you know, (laughs) a lot weaker, and I started to take care of her. I felt almost Mm -hmm. this genetic obligation to take care of her as she aged. So I... uh, Oh, genetic obligation. I don't like... (laughs) (laughs) Wait. How... Wait. Let me ask you two questions. How much older was your wife than you? And also, unrelated... How, how old was your mom when she gave birth to you? My mother was 40, and my <laughs> wife and I are 40 years apart. Interesting. Charmaine, we're going to put you in the waiting room for just one quick second here. Uh, Arnie Chuntworth. It's Arnold. Arnold Chuntworth. Um, do you remember that play, By the Moon? Yeah, about Ed or Piss. Yeah. I think maybe that is happening to Charmaine. Are you guys picking up on that? <sighs> I mean, I don't know. All right. Well, I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll, okay, I'll bring it back. Uh, sorry about that, Charmaine. I just had to talk to my friends about piss. Of course. 
Or Ed. Charmaine, we ask uh, this about all of our guests. Sure. Whatever happened to your father? You know, it's so interesting. I was once traveling down a road, and a man came up to me, and I felt threatened by this man, and I attacked him, and I murdered him. Hmm. Now, unrelated, I haven't seen my father in years. (laughs) Well, it might be related. We don't know. Yeah, why did you tell that other story? If they're unrelated, why do you even bring I don't it up? Know. I don't know. It just flows out of me. Sometimes these stories and these memories, they flow out of me. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that both of those, like, you know, the last time you saw your father was maybe close to around the same time that you killed and murdered this other person? Because sometimes, like, in memory, we just remember things that are connected that happen vaguely around the same time. Arnold Hillswile pushed back against that. That's exactly like the play by the moon. And that's ridiculous. Oh. Yeah. In the play by the moon, Ed Orpiss walks up and sees this man and is threatened by him and then murders him and then takes his wife as his own. Now that's something different. So, Jermaine, just in case we might know that person, can you describe what they look like? The person you killed? You know, he was much, almost a much taller, older looking version of myself. Sometimes <laughs> when I looked at him, I said sometimes, which meant I saw this man multiple times, which I did. I saw him a lot. Sometimes he pulls up in my memories. I have this distinct memory of myself trying to wade in the water and him giving me a lesson and saying, here's how you do it. Interesting. Bat your arms like this. Kick your legs (laughs) like this. And I said, thank you. You said he was a much taller version of yourself. At the time that I remembered him. Oh, I think. Oh, I was going to say, how old were you when this happened? How old were you when you killed this man on the road? I was, I was very young, maybe eleven or twelve years old. Usador Arnie, I think I got it. I think it was a mimic, like a bad mimic. You know those creatures, mimics, who can they appear in front of someone and take on their exact appearance to to try and fool them or take over their lives? I think it was just a bad mimic. I agree. Sometimes they're just too tall. Um, now, when you were an actor, there mm. were um, some reviews, famously, where people would come review you as an actor, and they would say that for the entire show, you would just sit in the audience. Look, I've never in my life tried to do things the way that everyone else does them. You know what I mean? Because here's one of the faulty things about that, and it's one of the things that I respect about you guys is, you know, you guys are always trying to change the way everything is happening. You know what I mean? You guys are always trying to go somewhere else than where everyone else is going. You know, a show might have one host. You have three. You know what I mean? Oh, no. I apologize for. I'm so sorry that I ignored you over there. Sorry, Talbot. We we should be paying more attention to you. Oh, shit, Talbot. I am so sorry. I know I have not ignored that. I am am not going to keep making that mistake. Sorry. And, Jermaine, I will say, we do pride ourselves on going somewhere that no other podcast goes, which is nowhere. Absolutely. I think that's brilliant. And I don't know. I I, I don't want to spoil this. But part of the reason why I'm here is because I'm reviewing your podcast. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Got into the podcast. Absolutely. I can't believe I've been so honored. Oh, uh, a Jermaine review. This is huge. This is huge. I wonder which one of us will die. Five some years in, we're finally getting a review. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It probably won't be me because I'm an immortal angelic creature here in human form as a wizard. But just in case, I am uh, auditioning understudies for you. (laughs) So back to your original question, uh, which I'm answering in order. I saw that all the other actors were on stage. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, how ununique, how unoriginal. So I went and I sat in the audience during one of our productions of you know me, daddy. 
And from that point of view, I was able to see the play and develop an opinion on the play. And mm. I started telling my director, you know, maybe you should do this and you should do that. And he really valued my opinion. And I told him, I didn't really connect to this part of the play. Or, you know, this part of the play is very, very good and, and it speaks to this sort of theme. And he really, really enjoyed that. Wow, it's very Brechtian. Absolutely. And Arnie, Brechtian is um, if something's breaking in real time, to break something is past tense. If it's broke, that's future tense. But Brecht is present tense. Mm. That's right. And, and to check off is to say, that went well. I'll check it off the list. Mm-hmm. I've heard you can get arrested for check off in the theater. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, you can. This one critic, Peewith Herman, got arrested very quickly. Yeah, that's called the Chekhov's come. Yes, yes. If you introduce someone in the theater, they must check off by the third act. <laughs> so that's why never introduce anybody to anybody. In the never. If you're in the theater, everyone should just assume that they yeah. know each other or that they're not worth meeting. Gotcha. But the moment you introduce someone in a theater, mm-hmm. they will check off by the third act. That's true. So they go, hey, have you met Greg? Oh, shit. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we can uh, start to do the podcast for you so you can review us internally. I love this. Wonderful. We'll be right back with more Magic Tabby. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. And we're uh, and we're uh, the Magic Tavern. And if you don't know, uh, several years ago, Arnie, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, sorry, Arnold, I'm so it's nervous. Arnold. It's Arnold, Arnold. Um, it's Arnold. And welcome to the show. I'm so nervous because we're being reviewed. Um, I'm uh, mm. Chunt, the, the Chunt, Chuntworth, the Badgie, haha, mm-hmm. but also uh, Flex Mulligan. We have Usador mm. and uh, the show. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, fuck, he's taking notes. He's taking notes. I can't tell. Is that good or is that not good? I don't know. I don't know. Proceed. He makes a lot of noise while he's writing. He kept saying za za za. I think he said zig zag ah. You really, really, really think he said zig zag ah? Yeah. I also think he wants to be my. Well, never mind. I, I might be reading into it. Are you his mom? But I think he also wants to get with you. T- well, never mind. No. Uh, now, uh, Jarmaine, uh, I must know, uh, during this time where we're all trapped in these tiny uh, sections of food, 
Uh, is there anything you've been listening to or watching that you particularly like? Oh, yes. Are you still able to see some theater through crystal balls or through some horse's blood or something like that? You know, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating that uh, with this shattering, keeping everyone indoors, that somehow theater has disappeared. I never would have thought that without people out and about, we wouldn't be able to get theater. So uh, I haven't watched much theater, but something I have been able to do is look fondly back at some of the theater that I was able to keep trapped within this magical box of mine. Oh. Uh, this, this is a bit of an industry secret that I'm about to tell you boys. Uh, oh, but, um, I don't know, though. It seems so experimental. I don't know how I feel about black box theater. So, so with black box theater, when you see a play that you really like, you open up a black box and you trap the actors, the set design, uh, even if they're really good, the stage manager, and you keep them all inside this black box. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I'm so sorry. I have a follow-up question. So I thought at first that you were just trapping your memories of these plays, but it sounds like, and please correct me if I'm misunderstanding, that you have trapped the actual people from the production inside that box. Yes. Do you remember Jake Pierre? He was an excellent, excellent playwright. A lot of people are wondering whether he was ever real or whether it was several of his friends actually writing his plays for him. He was real. He disappeared because I once saw his play, and this was back in my sitting in the audience days, and I said, this is magical. And I opened up my... Oh, when you were, when you were acting. Yes, this was back in my acting days. I was one of the cast members in his play. Again, acting, critiquing, words... I prefer actions. Sitting in the audience or standing on the stage. Yes, it's all one thing. You don't meet a lot of critics who hate words. Well, they always say a play is worth a thousand actions. Thank you. Thank you. Well, look, I don't want to give you guys any notes, uh, but sometimes when you're looking at a work, you're hearing so many words, but you're not seeing enough actions. Oh, shit, he's going to hate this podcast. Well, it's also interesting he said he didn't want to give us notes, but he definitely wrote down on a piece of paper and slipped it to me that said, be funnier. Wait a second. I've been slipping you that note for years, and you haven't done anything about it. Now it's coming from an actual critic, Arnie. Also, you spelled funnier wrong, and B. Are you sure that wasn't the note that I wrote that said C-phomia? We were on that boat, and I was like, this fucking C isn't that foamy. Look, all I know is this. If you read my note and it said be funnier, that was an accident. And I don't want to admit this, but the reason why I started going door to door and giving my critiques aloud is because I cannot read or write. The reason why I was in the audience was because I didn't know my lines. I didn't know my lines and I ran and I hid in the audience. But it turns out an audience isn't a good place to hide. Yeah, they can see you from the stage. Yeah, they all saw me. And <laughs> Why the fuck is, why is Jarmaine in the auto? He's supposed to be right up here. Yes, yes, yes. And I don't know if you guys know this, but people are a little worried when an actor gets up off the stage and goes into the audience. People have been killed like that before. It's very true. So what are some of the plays that you have trapped in boxes? I have Who Is This Caesar uh, by Shakespeare, where this guy comes in named Caesar, and everyone, for five acts, tries to understand who exactly he is. 
Yeah, and Arnie, people don't know his actual name, but he tends to seize a lot of things. He tends to, like, grab land and property. They just know him as Caesar. Yeah, because he's seizing. The play ends without an answer because he has a seizure. Oh. Well, it was the season. <laughs> Another one I have is who's afraid of this hungry wolf? Oh, and now I know this play. It's a very good play. Uh, it turns out that uh, an older couple invites over a younger couple and then a wolf eats them all. Well, that's it. That's it. The answer is everyone. Yeah. Everyone's afraid of this hungry wolf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the twist ending. You're like, well, which one of them is it going to be? And it turns out it's all of them because they get devoured. Devour. I'm realizing this now, but a lot of my favorite plays are questions that are answered at some point in the play. Well, that's what a good theatrical production should question, you know? Yes. And hopefully answer. I mean, I hate plays that leave open-ended questions such as, you know, is a witch hunt just a way for us to enact punitive justice instead of actually examining what's wrong with our society? It's why I've never liked the work of Barthur Biller. I felt like he never, ever gave us an answer to that question. He just asked it of society. How dare he not give us a conclusive thing of absolutely it is correct to use punitive measures to get to the bottom of something. How else will I know what to think? Exactly. Exactly. Also, it's kind of wild that he was married to Marilyn the Crow. Yes. It felt like a publicity stunt, you know what I mean? I mean, it felt like he was worried that everyone was mad about the communist and mm -hmm. that he was just like, let me marry someone famous to get back into public favor. Yeah, and she had been married to uh, Joe the Mage. Yo! <laughs> Who is uh, Joe, Joe the Mage? Sean is a very are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Sorry, I'm just nervous about this review. So Joe the Mage was just a very well-known mage, very powerful. Um, he had a very powerful bat that sat on his shoulder, and he could, you know, put that bat to great use and really just, you know, knock spells out of the park. And um, and they were married. And then I, I guess uh, I don't know if he passed away or what happened, but yeah, she eventually um, uh, moved on. Where did he go, Joe the Mageo? Sorry, I'm nervous, too. Oh, wait, I think he died of Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah, as I was going to say, he definitely died of Lou Gehrig's disease. Have we all been nervous for these last five years? Is that, what, is that what's happening? <laughs> I think so, just in anticipation of this moment. Oh, I see. Uh, you know, Jarmaine, I have a theory about these play titles. Well, you said you don't know how to read or write. Mm. And, you know, generally they don't say the title of the play in a play. You might have these titles totally wrong. You know, it does make sense to me because I was never told these titles. I assumed most of them. And a lot of them are me questioning the plot of the play that I'm watching. I remember when I first spoke aloud my review for Who's Afraid of the Hungry Wolf? I was me trying to recollect my memory, again, very confused because I was on stage. And I was just like, who back then was afraid of that hungry wolf? Mm. But also... Why did that wolf spare me? I was on stage. I remember you coming to my house and telling me one of your reviews. Mm -hmm. And the title of that show was, Who is this guy who's worried about his father's ghost and now, like, he's trying to kill his uncle? What the hell? And I looked all mm -hmm. over for that play, and I could not find it anywhere. You know, that's a thing that a lot of people bring up about some of my plays, especially when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it and so many plays are about men angry about something so so many of my plays that i've reviewed have very similar titles you know art reflects life art reflects 
And and speaking of Art Reflects Life, you, from what I heard, the very last play you acted in was actually called mm-hmm. Jarmaine's of the Day, and it was a one-man show, and you apparently sat front row and just had an empty stage for two and a half hours? I never in my life would have expected a Pulitzer, but for some reason, people were so moved by an empty stage mm. that... I was given an award for my work. The stage being empty yeah. made them think to themselves, what was I expecting to see? Hmm. Wow. Was a Pulitzer given to you by Tony? It was. And you know what? I'll say this about Tony. He didn't let me hold on to it for long. Oh, I didn't know you didn't get to keep it. No. So it's, there's just one? Tony gives it to you. You hold it for a bit. You can talk to it, ask it a couple <laughs> of questions. And then you have to give it back to him. <laughs> That's why it's called a pull it, sir. Yes. You pull it away. Excuse me, sir. I pull it here. Pull it, sir. <laughs> yeah, they, they pull it, sir. And they also have uh, push it, sir. They have push it, sir, where they push it on you and you say... Please, I don't want it. Get it away from me. <laughs> because that's famously cursed. The, the Pushitzer oh, is, is, yeah. has been cursed by... A lot of theaters, they leave this uh, specter candle out there. That's when the correct. theaters close or it's nighttime, they'll leave a specter candle, and that's to draw in as many specters as possible. Any of the supernatural elements lingering, they want to fill the theater with that because that gives the theater some character and some history and some story, mm-hmm. and inevitably, one of the specters will go into the award, and then it becomes a push That's what that candle is for. What a... What an amazing Spectre gadget. Arnie, we're being reviewed. What the fuck are you doing? No, I think we're just talking about artsy things, right? Ah, Chunt, let him say whatever he wants. You and I will run around behind the scenes and just fix it all for him. Yeah, and I guess also I did say Chekhov's come, so I'm Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say that behind the scenes you edit what this podcast is? So... What I'm experiencing right now is not the actual podcast. Well, there's a little bit of editing that Arnie does, but we definitely do not have a group of people who work very hard to make our podcast sound very good. If we had those sorts of people, fuck them. How dare you? How dare you come ask me to experience this thing? Do you know what theater would be if you could edit it? Hamilton would be good. It would be an excellent piece of work if you could just edit it afterwards. But you have to live that experience in a moment. And, of course, I'm talking about Hamilton, the play where... Well, Ham Ilton is about the sick pig who weighs uh, 2,000 pounds, right? Yes, and he's not going to waste that shot. Or as I like to call it, who is this pig that's so overweight and what is he doing? Huh? Now listen, but for you to invite me here where you aren't doing this live, there is a element that you are adding in later is disrespectful to me. I'm, I'm so sorry. I hope this won't affect the quality of our review. <laughs> yes, and, and the only editing we do is to tighten things up. We certainly don't add things later. Right, Talbot? <laughs> See? Oh, shit, Talbot. I'm so oh, no, sorry. it's starting to lightning over here on the beach. Can you hear all that lightning? Or I guess it would be the thunder you hear. And also I- waves crashing. Don't worry, Chunt. Worth, I'll cast a spell and I'll make those clouds and uh, lightning bolts go away. I don't think we can afford the rights to lightning crashes. Sorry I couldn't hear you two over all those whale sounds. Mm-hmm. I'm appreciating this loud, loud crowd. Speaking of lightning crashes, um, did your old mother die? 
My mother, my old mother. You said you quit acting to take... Oh, I'm sorry. That was your wife. You quit acting to take care of your wife. My apologies. I can, yes. I conflated them. I would love to hear more about your mother and or well, wife. Well, the whole idea of why things need to be pure and live is because my wife told me, live in the moment. Never live a life of deceit. Because if you live a life of deceit, it will catch up to you. And yes. your lies will be revealed. Yes, And yes. I took that advice to heart from my wife. And, you know, she died and... It was interesting when her body was taken away by the people who do that. I never saw her again. Well, the, the, the bears, right? The bears took her. There's all those bears. There's Paul, the bear. Uh, a lot of those bears mm-hmm. will carry the body away. You don't know what the name of anything is, do you? I live things. I don't know the names of things. I live them. When they took away my wife, interestingly enough, a few days later, I got a letter that my mother had died. Oh, that's terrible. Had you seen her any time recently before she passed? No, only in my dreams. And I remember this childhood memory of my mother rocking me saying, never live a life of deceit. Because if you live a life of deceit, that lie will catch up to you. Same thing your your wife said. Excuse? Well, it's such a common expression. And also, also Jarmaine's flying by deceit of his pants. I hate hate to do this. But, uh, Jarmaine, I have... I have to point out. No, 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 no. That your life has a number of parallels. You saw what is the upside to <laughs> your revealing life? this? Your, your life has a number of parallels with the play by the moon. Okay, look, here's why I disagree with you. Because what you're saying is then when we like a piece of art, it's because we see ourselves in it and we'll reflect. You literally see yourself in it. Uh, you go up on stage. <laughs> oh my goodness. That explains too much. My mother had brown hair. My wife had brown hair. Well, also, what was your wife's name? <laughs> Hold on, I'll get there. My wife was a woman. <laughs> Just, my mother was around. alive. My <laughs> wife was alive. <laughs> Some of these are less coincidences. <laughs> now, Charmaine, it's possible that you have lived out in your own life the exact plot of By the Moon and married your own mother and killed your father, or it's also possible... Whoa, what about his father? Yeah, yeah. Wait, pay attention. Wait, 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 wait. The guy who was taller are than you, you but looked like you. And was in my memories. And in your memories, huh. he taught you to swim. He also read a book to me. It was a play. By the moon. It's also possible that you were just in the play by the moon and you think that's your real life. Let's hope that. Let's just say that's canon. (laughs) Arnie, to say something is canon is when it's so so tightly compacted, there's no room for for fallacy Mm -hmm. that it could be shot out of a cannon. That makes so much sense now why people say that. (laughs) I've always wondered where the phrase came from, and that makes it make sense to me. Or there's another possibility, which is we've made some major inferences based on a couple of things a person has said and just traumatized them. You know, I like that explanation more because it absolves me of any responsibility. Oh, oh, I'd love to do that for myself. I know. Oh, my gosh. You know, you guys have inspired me. That can't be good. Maybe I should write... My own play. Here I am critiquing, at times completely ruining other people's plays with my acts as a critic. What if I sat down and I wrote my own story? 
A story of a man who realizes that his mother is his wife. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea a lot. <laughs> well, there are no new ideas. I gotta say, this podcast changed me. I came in with certain assumptions of who I was. And in going through this podcast, I walked out better. Therefore, I started off at the circle in my comfort zone. But then you pushed me all the way through the hero's journey. And I returned back as a critic. Changed. I have to give this podcast five stars. Yes, yes we've done it. Oh, yes. Oh, we finally got amazing. rated and reviewed. Um, uh, well, hold on. Hold, wait a second. And maybe this is the skeptic in me. But, Jermaine, can I ask five stars out of how many? It is five stars out of six. I do uh, have one note. The inconsistencies of names. I mean, at some point, you're Chuntworth, then you're Chunt. Yeah. At some point, he's Arnie, then he's Arnold. But Usador is always consistent. If I had to say anything about anyone on this show, mm-hmm. That's he's right. a consistent man. I, I, I'd call him the backbone of the show. But I am always Usador. Wizard of the Twelfth Realm of Ephesius, Master of Light and Shadow, Manipulator of Magical Delights, Devourer of Chaos, Champion of the Great Halls of Tarakas. The elves know me as Fianyalak, the dwarves know me as Zonenhukstanges, and I am known in the Northeast as Gasmanius Maystar. And those names, unwavering, shall go forth into the ether through this podcast for many years to come. Yeah, I agree. He is the loudest on the show. Well, Jarmaine, I think we're running out of time, so we don't really have time to cover the fact that you fucked a horse and uh, stabbed its eyes out. <laughs> yeah, sorry we didn't get to that. Next time we'll get to that. Yes, yes, we'll we have to have you back so we can talk about that. Make a meal out of that. What I mean, what's next for you, Jarmaine? I, I, I hesitate to ask. Ooh, classic Arnie to say what's next. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, now that I know that I want to write a play, I'll probably have to sit down and write it. Uh, and then after that, I'll, uh, you know, talk about me writing it to friends and stuff and passing at parties. And yeah. they'll be like, oh, how's that play you're writing? And I say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm still working on it. Uh, four years later, I'll finally finish it and I'll try to secure funding. Then that will probably fall through a couple of times. Some people will say, yeah, I got you. Put it up here at this local theater. But that local theater will close down for a variety of reasons. Perhaps the theater director is caught up in some sort of scandal of their own. Perhaps a fire. Who knows? Uh, after years, I'll finally get it up with one run, and in a twisted, twisted circle, a critic will burst through the door and kill me. Beautiful. Oh. Before that, you're going to have to learn how to write. Oh, shit. I mean, to be fair, you wrote me a note that said, be funnier. I don't know how to do that again. <laughs> five-star review not bad all we need is a hundred thousand more of those to bring our average itunes rating up to sad face emoji which technically shouldn't even be possible but apparently there was a petition use it all the wizard was played by matt young flex mulligan flex on the beach chunt or chuntworth the badger head on top of a decomposing roid rage body was played by adol refai 
Jarmaine the Critic was played by special guest Edgar Montplacier. Check out Edgar's podcasts, Culture Kings, and The Wokest. You can also hear him as Solomon Grundy, one of the co-hosts on the Magic Tavern spin-off I Am Spintax, available only on Stitcher Premium. Call back. Hello from the Magic Tavern is produced by Arnie Niekamp, Matt Young, and Adol Rafai. Post-production coordination by Garrett Schultz. Earwolf producer Kimmy Lucas. This episode edited by Stefan Dranger. Special assistance by Ryan DeGiorgi. Hello from the Magic Tavern logo by Allard Laban. Magic Tavern theme by Andy Poland. But now I'm off to scour that dystopian landscape of decimated Chicago theater buildings to learn what... No, you know what? Even just saying it feels premature. I'm going to hang out a while longer on this bike path by the lake and count the number of parents teaching their child to rollerblade on one of the busiest paths in the city. Already I've counted what feels like 100 billion. Whoops, I just doubled that. Now someone's spreading a picnic blanket on the bike path. Oh, this planet is too much. Ah, my little black box. You've entertained me for many years, but much like I have to let go of the idea that my wife is my wife and not my mother, I have to let go of you. Be free, you... Patrons of the theater. Got any good auditions lately? Excuse? I've been trapped in this box, so I haven't... I just wondered if you've been on any auditions, because I haven't been getting a lot of auditions. No, no, I don't really act anymore. I'm more of a critic now, but now I'm a writer. You know, I graduated from actor to critic to writer, so I'm also doing a writing thing now, you know what I mean? Uh, Cool, 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 cool. Right before I got trapped in the box, I was up for... um, big thing it was like an ad uh, advertisement where they, they I was up for that too paint me. I was up for that too and I, I crushed it I fucking crushed it how'd you do I felt good about it they were gonna paint me and put me on the side of a, a barn yeah barns all over the nation it's gonna be na- nation nationwide all sorts of barns oh yeah yeah that's the same same for me and I actually know in, in that audition I knew the farmer he's an okay. old family friend cool, my, cool, cool. my uh my parents are friends cool, with the farmer so what monologue did you do for your audition uh I did uh Sandy from uh, Sandy? Dog. What's wrong with Sandy? No, it's good. It's good. A lot of people do Sandy. Good. No, that's fun. I just think I have an interesting take on it, and it's close to me. Uh huh. Y- you know, I know you weren't talking to me, but uh, I don't really do advertisements. I prefer to just do theater. Oh. Yeah, that's great. I mean, can you make a living doing that? You must be a noble. You know, you guys are free to continue moving, you know? You don't have to stay right here. You know, we, I opened the box. You're free now. It's uh, fine. We prefer to sit here and undermine each other. <gasps> oh, no. The wolf. The wolf is getting out of the box. Ah, the wolf. The wolf. No, the wolf. Raul. Raul. Uh, did you guys audition for that barn? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I did it, too. And I fucking crashed it. Raul. Right. Never going to book anything. Well, who are you represented by? I'm represented by a witch with uh, seven faces. It's tough because you never know which face you're talking to. You, wait, you never know which face yeah. you're talking to? Yeah, it's weird. It's a lot. It's too many faces. Baby, baby, I never thought I'd see you again. Oh, oh no. You're back out. I can't. I can't look at you. A witch with seven faces and they're all smoking. Listeners, it's Will Arnett. 
Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome that dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric. And this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today. Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless in the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser! 